Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Live. It is Sunday night, July 31st, the year of our Lord, 2022. It's going to be August in like five hours, which means we've got college football this month, or at least we will be able to say that in about five hours. Hey, some names out there just more important than others in this sport this year, and we will talk about that to lead the show tonight. We are jam-packed, high atop a happening downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Like I said the other day, if it's going on, it's going on here this weekend. The most important names in college football this year. It could be a commissioner, it could be a coach, it could be a coordinator, it could be a player. We're going to go down a list, at least to start with tonight. We're going to hit about five names. Also, a ton of recruiting momentum for some programs that just about a month ago were being questioned, perhaps even on this show, and they've responded in a big way. we got Bold Predictions, Chapter 28 tonight. Also, some thoughts, now that I've had a few days, to marinate on it, on what the Pac-12 commissioner, George Klykoff, said at Pac-12 Media Days, because it... It should resonate well beyond the Pac-12. And it's not just one of those, let's fight for the integrity of the sport. No, I'm speaking a lot more tonight, at least, about some dollars and cents, some behind-the-scenes mechanisms that are in play when it comes to the Big Ten media rights deal and how that's going to impact the Pac-12. It's pretty fascinating stuff, and it matters to everyone. You just don't hear people talk about it a lot because, truth be told, not a lot of people, I think, really get it from that angle. And... I at least somewhat do. So by default, that's going to make me an authority on it. So I'll speak on that tonight. Uh, Brunswick, Georgia, they are tuned in watching from Brunswick, Lawton, Oklahoma, Salem, Ohio. They're watching us in the Philippines. And Hype Man Harry just checked in from Oklahoma City, which proves that I'm watching the live chat here. Hey, a week from tonight, do you know what starts? A week from tonight, we go to three nights per week formatting. So starting Sunday night, a week from now, we'll have a show. Then we'll have a show on Tuesday. Then we'll have a show on Thursday. And it'll be that way until, what, like February? I think that's normally when we let our foot off the gas just a little bit. But that whole no off-season vibe, we're almost done having to talk about that. Hey, I got something to show you guys. And if you're listening on podcast, I'm going to describe this as eloquently as I can. As you know, we were out in California about three or, three or some odd weeks ago. And we have been driving. I mean, we bled for this, you and I. We were driving to get to 100,000 subscriptions on the YouTube channel. And if you're watching, please subscribe. Well, I was so sidetracked when we were out in LA, I didn't realize as we were on the air, we passed 100,000 subs on the YouTube channel. And so everybody clapped, woohoo! But you know why we were excited? Because we knew this bad boy was coming. And we got it in the mail yesterday. Look at that, I'm trying to turn it where you can see it. Late Kick with Josh Pate, 100,000 subs on the YouTube channel, they send you I'm knocking on it so you hear how solid that is. A bright, shiny plaque from YouTube headquarters out in uh, wherever in the world they're at in California. Look, I wanted this. You wanted this. Jesse wanted this. But Director Colin, he needed this thing. The first day I met Colin and I told him, we're going to do this show on YouTube, he said, I wonder if we could ever get to 100,000 subs because, you know, we get, a, we get a plaque when we get there. And pretty much every week since then, as long as I've known Colin, he has talked about how long it will be until we have this thing. So we have it now. And so I think in terms of custody, the studio gets it on Sunday, Tuesday, and Thursday, but Colin will pretty much have this in his hands every other day, not Tuesday and Thursday and Sunday. So what we have to figure out is where we're going to put it in here, and that is an ongoing argument. But thank you guys. That's kind of just a tangible piece of hardware that could be attributed to you to show you what all you've done with the show. Speaking of the show, let's dive into it tonight. We've got a lot to talk about, but thank you eternally. Thank you. Who are the most important people? What are the most important names in college football? That's a question I posed to you guys earlier today, and man, it's like opening a dam. We had like 15 million names come our way. There were a lot of good ones, so I, I think, truth be told, we could do a series on this akin to the Bold Predictions segment. We could go like 30 segments deep. We're too close to the season for that, but I am going to go through as many names as I can. I'm going to hit five tonight, and I told you, to me, 
pound for pound, one of the most important names in college football this year is Jim Knowles, and that is the new Ohio State defensive coordinator by way of Oklahoma State. Now, those of you who have watched Oklahoma State for a while, you know they had been largely the exception to the Big 12 rule. Oklahoma State was playing offense, but they also played really good defense out there, and man, it is needed in Columbus, Ohio. So he's come in there, and this is really important. I kind of hinted at this the other day. Ryan Day knew what the problem was last year. Anyone with functioning eyeballs knew what the problem was the last couple of years. But they didn't have the solution on campus. And so Ryan Day knew after last season, I got to go outside of our walls to get the replacement. Here is why they needed that. If you're listening on podcast, we are showing on the screen the, the ineptitude of the Ohio State defense. And this is a place where largely you should be able to cherry pick your talent in recruiting. Now, that's not exactly happening at the moment defensively for Ohio State, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But yards per game allowed, they were tied for 59th in the country last year. Points per game allowed, they were 38th in the country. On third down, in terms of percentage, they were 96th in the country. Red zone percentage, 88th in the country. Just inexcusable ineptitude uh, defensively. I think I may have said offensively a second ago. So defense has left a lot to be desired there. And if you think about it, if you're a Buckeye fan, you are literally wasting a championship offense because it doesn't matter it doesn't matter how thoroughly you skull drag a lot of the lesser Big 10 opponents up there if you get to an Oregon matchup and what happened last year happens because you can't stop the run if you get to the Michigan game and you get bullied along the lines of scrimmage or if you make it all the way to the title game like you did a couple of years ago but you cannot stop Alabama's passing game it's really all for naught because the elevation of this program has been to a point now where it is national championships. Big Ten championships, it's national championships. Ryan Day himself said it at Big Ten Media Days the other day. Beat the team up north, i.e. Michigan to you and I. Win Big Ten championships, win national championships. He said, we went over 3 last year. A big reason for it was the defense. And so they went out and they got Jim Knowles. Here's the reason Jim Knowles is so important. For Ohio State, hey, if Ohio State's got a top 20 defense this year, there's only about two or three teams in the country that can beat them. None of them reside in the Big Ten. So if you told me off the bat, Ohio State's going to have a top 20 caliber defense this year, they win the Big Ten. Outside of crippling injuries, I mean like mass amounts of injuries offensively, they win the Big Ten. There ain't a team that can touch them up there if they're playing that caliber defense. Then we're talking about what kind of Alabama do they face, or Georgia, or Clemson, one of these really loaded rosters. What kind of team do they play in the playoff? Because that's really what it would come down to. But if you have another year where those numbers look like we just showed on that graphic a little while ago, then all of a sudden, we, we know two things. Number one, they're still going to be really good. They'll still be favored most of the way. But if they're sitting there, you know, tied for 59th in yards per game allowed and their red zone numbers are in the 80s, they're probably getting towards the end of the season again. And they're probably losing at least one game that they're favored by a touchdown to double digits in. And then they're going to get smoked when they go up against a more fierce passing game in the playoff, or just a team that can dedicate themselves to running the ball at them. And then you'll have two things. Number one, you'll have a more wide open Big Ten, maybe, and therefore a more wide open playoff field. Because everyone has Ohio State penciled in to their, their four, their projected four. But the other thing you'll have is, I think you'll have the biggest indictment so far against Ryan Day. And if you've watched this show, you know I've taken criticism because I'm like sky high on Ryan Day. I think a lot of the criticism that gets lobbed the way of someone who's a first-time head coach in this sport right now is insane. Kirby's dealt with it. Ryan Day's dealt with it. Lincoln Riley's dealt with it. I mean, these dudes are on the first go-around, and they're at Georgia and Oklahoma at the time and Ohio State, respectively. But be that as it may, that's the way it works these days, I guess. But Ryan Day, you know, he went out and he got his replacement in Jim Knowles. And when he brought Jim Knowles in, he's given him the freedom to go get his staff. And, you know, you also need to be able to handle recruiting or you need to be able to at least cast enough vision to where we can carry it out on the recruiting trail and we know the players you want and we trust your evals, et cetera. If it doesn't immediately pay dividends, people start to look at Ryan Day. There is this whisper right now in college football that becomes a lot more just an outright yell of softness for Ohio State defensively if this year manifests the same kind of result we got last year. Jim Knowles is a very important name in college football this year, not just in Columbus, Ohio, but beyond. The next name, this is really easy, Quinn Ewers at Texas. Because Quinn Ewers at Texas, 
It's kind of like the version of Ohio State defense statistically. If I tell you nothing more about the Big 12 this year other than Quinn Ewers is going to fulfill his star rating coming out of high school. He's going to live up to the hype that he had coming out of high school and then coming out of the transfer portal. What would you know about the Big 12? Well, you'd know Texas is going to be a very tough out. That's the first thing you'd know. It would not be a lock because they still have issues there. Offensive line is still an issue for Texas. You know, pass rush is still an issue for Texas. So unlike some of these places like Texas A&M, if we know they get good quarterback play this year, they could quite literally win a national championship with the rest of their roster. Texas is not there quite yet, but there wouldn't be, they wouldn't be far away. And they certainly would give themselves an opportunity to win every game in the Big 12 if they got high level, you know, A or A minus or better level quarterback play from Quinn Ewers. The other part of that is you will have validation, I think, and maybe even vindication for Sark and the way that they aggressively went about things in the transfer portal. Also, that probably means Xavier Worthy's had a big year. Isaiah Nayer's had a big year. Maybe one or a couple of the Alabama transfers have had big years. It would just be certainly a win total in the eight-plus range. I don't see any way, if Quinn Ewers pans out this year, that they're not winning a minimum of eight games, could win 10. Like They could be up there in any kind of hunt, and that includes the Big 12 championship hunt. But the reason he's an important name is because there's a flip side to this. You know, right now, Texas is a co-favorite with Oklahoma to win the Big 12. They didn't come close last year because they, among other issues, had inconsistency at quarterback. They started multiple guys. Well, if that's the case again this year, if, if Quinn Ewers does start for them and it's just not working out and he either just plays average as grits the whole year or he's bad and they have to replace him with Hudson Carb. This is, of course, working off the premise that he'll win the job in the first place. If any of that happens, then the Big 12's wide open, or maybe it's Oklahoma's for the taking, or maybe it just opens really wide like it did last year, and a team like Baylor ends up coming up and snatching it again. But also, just think about the Texas world for a second. If Quinn Ewers doesn't work out, and we get two years in to the Steve Sarkeesian era, and things don't really seem much better in year two than they were in year one, you know, I don't think I need to tell you how that's going to work out. I'm not talking about hot seat or a guy getting fired. I'm just talking about the, the crippling amounts of uncomfortability. The uncomfortability factor in Austin would ramp up tenfold. Most people there are willing to look at last year and say, it was what it was. We made a coaching change because we had a lot to fix. Well, if, if five and seven means that we're fixing it, then so be it. It's a bitter pill to swallow, but we're willing to take that pill just like you take some medicine you don't like because you know it ultimately makes you better. Well, if last year does not immediately start to make them feel better in terms of an on-field product this year, which Quinn Ewers is, I think, going to need to spearhead, it would be a problem. I don't know how big because I got to see the way the rest of the season plays out, but it would be a problem. Uh, the next one I want to do is I want to go to Fayetteville, Arkansas. Jaden Hazelwood, the wide receiver transfer from Oklahoma to Arkansas. He's a really big name this year. You know, I live in Nashville, and every day, if I listen to Buck Rising and the guys over doing local radio here, and uh, I listen to them talk about the Titans, all they're talking about is Traylon Burks. What kind of shape is Traylon Burks in? Could he, could he run a route today without being gassed? Well, last year, we saw him do it plenty because he was one of the best receivers in the country at Arkansas. Uh, the good news for the SEC West is he left. Kind of the different news for Arkansas is that he left, and they have to replace him. It's not always bad news, it's just different news. Jaden Hazelwood transfers in from Oklahoma. This is a really big pickup for Arkansas. They're looking to fill that void. They're looking to fill that, that thousand plus yard receiving production that Traylon Burks delivered them. Now, it doesn't always have to happen with a single guy. You can make it up in the aggregate. They're going to have one of, if not the best, rushing attacks in college football again this year. But think back to the Arkansas Texas AM game last year. Arkansas ends up having the best rushing attack in the SEC. How did they win the game against A&M? Throwing the ball deep. That's how they won the game against Texas A&M. Now, the stat sheet overall, if you looked at run-to-pass ratio, it was heavily tilted run. But the things, the plays that broke that game open were their ability to pop a couple of balls deep. That's all it needed to happen, as it turns out. Are they going to be able to do that this year? Because you see, Arkansas had some games like the A&M game last year where couple of plays, being able to stretch the field, being able to scramble and throw the ball on the run, 
That was the difference. Do they have that capability? Do defenses have to respect the potential? Now, you may have Jaden Hazelwood in there, and that's the guy I'm talking about, but Keytron Jackson is on that team. Uh, like we talked to Sam Pittman a couple of weeks ago at Media Days. He said, if Malik Hornsby doesn't win this quarterback battle, and he won't, we got to find a way to get him on the field. Hornsby may be the fastest kid they have offensively, uh, but speed doesn't really mean anything if you can't carry out the other facets and craft of the position of wide receiver. Do they have that ability? You, do you have to respect their ability to go deep? You better. Otherwise, it's really going to bog down that offense. And I'm a believer that even with all those other names, for their offense to operate at maximum or peak efficiency this year, Hazelwood is an integral part of it. An integral part. That may mean he catches uh, a certain amount of balls for 800 yards. It may mean he goes for 1150, but he's got to be an integral part of it because I view him as sort of a, a foundational piece in that wide receiver room that everything else revolves around. So Jaden Hazelwood is another name, one of the most important in college football. Let's go all the way to the West Coast. Bo Nix, remember that name? I, you know, I, I sort of forget sometimes you and I are totally immersed in this sport all year. We do not believe in the O word. We don't even say the O word on the show. And if we have to, we whisper it. But unfortunately, there are some people out there who do take a break. Couldn't be us, but they do. I don't think some of that crowd knows that Bo Nix transferred to Oregon. You, believe it or not, there are some folks who are about to crack open a preview magazine or, or they'll be about to come back to our show. I mean, our audience will skyrocket over the next month. Watch and see what happens in August. And they'll look at this graphic and they'll say, stupid producer Jesse screwed another one up. No, he didn't. Not this time. Jesse does a good job. But um, yeah, that's Bo Nix, Oregon quarterback. Get used to saying it. He's important this year, you know, and he's important for a few reasons. Let's say on the positive side of things, let's say our glass is all the way full and Bo Nix just is a standout and he takes Oregon to the Pac-12 championship game. Well, what does that mean? It probably shines very well on Kenny Dillingham and that offensive staff out there, and that would be wonderful for them. But I'll tell you what else we could take away from that. We could look and we could say, hold on now. You're telling me that this dude goes 3,000 miles from home, and all of a sudden he's a better quarterback than I ever saw him be at Auburn? What does that say about the team he played on last year and the staff he played for last year? Really, what would it say about Gus Malzahn and the staff he was playing for even before the last one came in? It was a whole lot of transition. Bo Nix's entire Auburn career was churn and transition, and he did not play at any point in his career for a staff that is world-renowned for developing quarterbacks in-house. Malzahn's MO was going and getting them elsewhere. And he was trying to develop Bo Nix, and he got fired. Ultimately, that didn't work out. And last year was what last year was. Well, if he goes out to Oregon and he shines, it further validates the stereotypes that exist about a couple of those staffs in a lot of people's minds. Or, well, also, let me before I go to the or, also, Oregon could just win the Pac-12 if he's as good as everyone once believed that he was. Or, here's the downside, it doesn't pan out for him out there. Now, I don't think this would be a big deal for Oregon. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time that a team kind of struggled and came up short in a coaching staff's first year. That wouldn't be that big a deal. Plus, you know they have Dante Moore coming in. Uh, we here, just internally, sort of kind of believe Dante Moore is the best quarterback in the country. Now, we're not on the rankings council. We may have five stars on our desk here, but we are not on the rankings council. So all I can do is text our recruiting guys and say, you need to bump Dante above Arch. They don't have to do it, but I just, I kind of, psst, psst. So if it happens, I want full credit, but if it doesn't happen, just know that I get ignored around here. But Dante Moore, number one quarterback, number two quarterback, whatever, he's coming into Oregon next year. Everyone knows that. Everyone's looking forward to that. So if Bo Nix doesn't work out this year, oh well. First year hiccup, we'll be better for it. You know how that song and dance goes. But also, if he doesn't work out this year, what does it do to the Pac-12? Because Oregon's right up there. I think Utah and USC are co-favorites. Oregon is close behind as the third favorite to win the conference out there. And that's, that's with a new quarterback and a new coaching staff, which shows you how wide open Vegas perceives the Pac-12 to be. There it is. Oregon is plus 300. Uh, Southern Cal and Utah are plus 210 co-favorites to win the Pac-12. Well, if Oregon is a three or four loss team this year, then maybe it is USC versus Utah. But let's just play that out for a second. What if one of those programs also trips up or doesn't live up to expectation? Well, all of a sudden, you could see a really unfamiliar name 
in that Pac-12 championship game. Could be one of the Arizona schools. I know it's tough to listen to that and imagine it. Uh, could be Washington out of nowhere. Certainly could be UCLA. So he's a very important name. Let me, let me go all the way across the country for one more name here. You, you very quickly see how I could spend all night just doing this segment. Devin Leary, the NC State quarterback, a very pivotal name. Most of you know him because he's been around forever, but Devin Leary, really important. Already had good numbers last year, a 35-5 to touchdown to interception ratio through for over 3,400 yards last year. Despite 2021, I think it's safe to assume most people's default setting on the ACC is Clemson's the favorite until proven otherwise. The Vegas odds back that up. And so even if you doubt Clemson, like a lot of you may doubt them, but that's only part of the equation. You follow it up and say, okay, well, you may doubt them. Is there a team you trust more than them? And that's when the answers are few and far between. Some dude will say Pitt. Some dude over here will say Miami. Someone may say NC State. Maybe someone says North Carolina. Probably me. But no one has a consensus on if not Clemson, then hoopst. And uh, maybe it's NC State is my point. Because my question to follow up would be, well, who can be better than Clemson? And the answer is NC State. You know, because this is a quarterback in Devin Leary that, unlike some of these other cats, does not get tasked with carrying his team. Good, solid, B-plus level quarterback play from Devin Leary could very well be good enough to win the conference because you know what kind of defense he's playing with. You know what kind of programs built around him. You know the kind of infrastructure that's around him. And let me also add this, not that I'm going to put on my quarterback evaluation hat anytime soon, but when we were out at Elite 11, Bryce was out there, CJ Stroud was out there, Leinert was out there one night, but he was out there too, Devin Leary. And I stood behind him for a good 10 minutes, standing next to Yogi Roth, good to meet Yogi, standing next to him watching Devin Leary throw. Devin Leary throws the ball exceptionally well. Now granted, he was wearing shorts that night and he was throwing to high school kids, uh, but he throws the ball well. And if you were watching him and you didn't know where he played and I told you, hey, that dude, that, that guy plays for Bama. You know, that's, that's that Georgia quarterback that just won a title. Hey, that's that guy that's playing for Texas and puts up all those yards. If you didn't know any better, you'd say, yep, passes the eyeball test. Devin Leary, man, first off, he's well-built. And secondly, ball jumps out of his hand. But even if it didn't, even if he had average tools, he's got the kind of team around him to where if you want to use that moniker game manager, this is the time to do it. Devin Leary's got to manage himself a game, and in the process, they could just mess around and win the ACC. Uh, if they don't, you know, if Devin Leary doesn't pan out this year, NC State would fall off the radar, but could there be another team that pops up in the ACC? So those are five names. Jim Knowles, Quinn Ewers, Jaden Hazelwood, Bo Nix, Devin Leary. I, I can't stress how little a dent we put in the overall bag of names that you delivered. We could go all night and we will revisit that list. You know they opened a new Academy Sports and Outdoors in Panama City this week. Thursday night I told you, if you guys go there and you send me evidence that you went there, I'm giving you something free from the Late Kick store. So that's plug number one, PateStateMaterial.com. The Late Kick store is open. But uh, Austin, Hunter, and Tyler are the three names I picked out. I think Austin just walked around the parking lot filming himself asking random citizens of Panama City if you've watched Late Kick before. That is what we call Pate State material, okay? That is quite literally doing the Lord's work down there in the Florida Panhandle. Uh, but you guys, you got free stuff coming your way. I need addresses to ship stuff to, so hit me up in the DMs. We're very official around here. That's how we operate. Hit me in my personal DMs. Academy Sports and Outdoors is our exclusive partner, not one of. This is not a stock car where we got their logo primary, but then we got 47 other stickers. It's just Academy. They step up to the plate that thoroughly that we don't have to even ask for a nickel from anyone else. And you know what else they do? They got the best selection of outdoor sporting goods equipment and beyond, including grills and canopies, et cetera, in the country, in my humble opinion. Uh, they also are adding new locations by the day. Academy.com is there for you if you cannot get there in person, but they make our stuff free for you. That's what they do. That's really where the rubber meets the road for you. You got great supplies there anytime you want them. And also you can know that if you like this show, it's going to be free for you. You don't ever run the risk of turning this thing on one night or turning the podcast on the next morning and hearing me say, bad news, friends, going behind the paywall starting Tuesday. But for just $9.99 a month, you can get 
some of the best college football takes you'll ever hear. I can't promise you the takes are good. That's for you to decide. But they'll never be overpriced because they will always be free. Thanks to Academy Sports and Outdoors. Austin, Hunter, Tyler, I need shipping information. Free stuff coming your way from the Late Kick store. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. I uh, also, since we're in the interest of just outright begging around here, producer Jesse learned how to work the teleprompter last week. I do the show totally ad-libbed, so he never has a reason to use it, so he just randomly types messages into the prompter during the show. For instance, here's what he just typed. We need more likes on the video. Less than 20% of people watching right now have liked the video. So look, don't take it from me. Take it from producer Jesse. Like the video. He didn't say, please, I'm going to fill that in for him. I'm going to go off script. Please like the video. It's as simple as clicking thumbs up. And that's it. And you're done. If you haven't subbed to the channel, please do that as well. Jesse also just added K-bye. K-bye. Uh, bold Predictions Chapter 28. We have gotten almost to 30. There's nothing stopping us now except the season at some point getting in our way. Let's start with one of our good, close, dear friends. Dave Bartu, or as you may know him on Twitter, at CFB Matrix, he said, I wouldn't say this is bold. Uh, Uncle Dave, we will decide how bold this is. You just give us your prediction. He said, my favorite three in the preseason top 25 to not be there at the end of the season are Pitt, Cincinnati, and Ole Miss. What do we think about this? I put a nine flat on the boldness scale of one to 10. You could sell me, you could give me a plausible scenario where any one of these three teams finish the season outside the top 25. It could happen. Cincinnati's a G5 team, so normally if they lose three games, they'll be out of the top 25. Uh, Ole Miss, Pitt probably need four losses. Maybe, I don't know, it just depends on how the rest of the country shakes out. So you could sell me on one of them. But three of them, all three of these, and these are solid reputations they have, I'm not so sure that's happening. And also, keep in mind what you need. You don't just need them to fall, you need the right confluence of events around them to transpire for them to all three be outside the top 25. It, it is, it's a great big difference when you say top 15 versus top 25. You start getting into some three and four loss minutia when you get into the 20 to 25 range. So uh, Cincinnati, over under preseason win total, nine and a half. That's the G5 team in this group. They're just, they're too well coached. They're too well-constructed, even if they are off this year. Look at their schedule. They go to Arkansas week one. We may very well be there on the Every Given Saturday tour in Fayetteville. You know I got to get there at some point this year. Uh, they're a seven-point dog in that game. Maybe they'll lose it. Let's say for argument's sake they do. Guys, it, the rest of the way is very favorable for them. And they'll be favored most of, if not the entirety, of the rest of the season. So they got to drop multiple additional games. I just don't see... I don't all three of them. I got to have all three of them happen. It's not happening. Ole Miss, maybe individually in a vacuum. I told you the other night, if I had to take an under in the West, it would be Ole Miss. I would take under seven and a half wins. Uh, but look, and then we get into the power rating world. Even if Ole Miss is seven and five this year, which would be under the 7.5 preseason win total, just because of the division they play in, they may still be a top 25 power rated team. Now, they'd probably be out of the AP top 25. I don't see all three of these teams being outside the top 25, so I'm going to go with a nine on the boldness scale. Next up, this one got an eight from me. Clark said there is going to be an SEC team not named Bama or Georgia in the college football playoff this year. Now, odds makers would clearly tell you 
this is going to be Texas A&M. If it's not Bama and Georgia, it would be Texas A&M. Their preseason over-under win total is 8.5. By comparison, Georgia and Bama both have 11 as their preseason over-under win total. The perception out there, which I think is reality, is you have two prime candidates, just as you did a year ago. You got tied, you got dogs, then you got a gap, and then you got maybe one or two teams. Maybe A&M and Tennessee are kind of floating there, but Jesse is showing you right now. Well, Jesse prepared it. Director Colin punched it. But he's showing you the preseason national title odds on the screen. Here's how that sounds for those of you on podcast. Alabama, plus 180. Now, that's to win the whole thing. Georgia, plus 425. Do you know who the next closest team in the SEC is when it comes to national title odds? That would be A&M. And they are at plus 2,500. And then it's LSU at plus 5,000. So there's a steep, and I mean a steep, a precipitous drop-off, if you will, after the first two there. Anyway, the prediction was someone not named Bama and Georgia from the SEC will be in the playoff. To me, that's Texas A&M. And to me, that is an eight on the boldness scale. Quarterback play, quarterback play, quarterback play. I had someone going at it with me the other day on Twitter. And they said, what, what is a It was today, actually. They said, what is A&M really going to do this year? What are they really capable of? And I said, well, if they have plus-level quarterback play, they're capable of making the playoff. Now, I get how, how big a mouthful that is. We just told the whole story of A&M football, didn't we, over the last couple of years under Jimbo. You got really good and steadily improving depth across the board, vastly improved defensive football team. Uh, they've, at various times, had some of the best offensive lines in college football out there, but they have not been able to stretch the field on you. That's the, that's the long and short of it. It's so easy to say. It's so hard to rectify. I was talking to someone last week, and they said, you know what's funny is while everyone, even the most stubborn coaches in America, have evolved offensively, Jimbo still does the same thing. And I said, well, yeah. And they, and they said, no, but do you really get what I said? And I said, we'll continue. If you're not done talking, continue. And they said, watch how many pre-snap shifting and motioning there is in the A&M offense. And the answer is virtually nil. He doesn't believe he needs to do it. He believes that if everything on this play sheet here is executed just how I drew it up, we don't need all that. We don't need the window dress. And he's technically right. The problem is you don't have 11 robots on the field. You got 11 living, breathing humans that were born less than 20 years ago in most cases. So sometimes you need some margin for error, and there's not a lot of it baked into Jimbo's offense. Well, if we get better quarterback play this year, the point is A&M would be that team. I do not necessarily foresee this being the year that someone not named Bama and a or Georgia breaks through here. So I'm going to say it's an eight. I'm going to say it's an eight that a team not named Bama or Georgia goes to the playoff from the SEC. This next one is a uh, I, on the surface, it looks really bold, but then you dive in and it's not that bold. So DJ said, Utah will be the only Power 5 team to repeat as a conference champion, and they'll make it to the playoff. Now, out of the interest of fairness, I'm just going to acknowledge the first part here. They'll be the only team to repeat as a conference champ. Quick reset. Who were your conference champs at Power 5 level last year? Pitt won the ACC. Baylor won the Big 12. Michigan won the Big Ten, Utah, the aforementioned Utes, they won the Pac-12, and Alabama won the SEC. If you're not careful, you'll convince yourself Georgia won the SEC last year. No, they won the rematch in the national title game. You got Nick Saban and Bama as your SEC champ. I think this is a, like a six on the boldness scale. This is a situation where if we go down the list right quick, to give you an idea, and to, to, to rephrase here, the prediction is Utah is the only team that won a conference title last year that's going to repeat as conference champ this year. Utah is a co-favorite to win the Pac-12. They are plus 210 co-favorites with USC. Okay, In the ACC, last year's champ, Pitt, they are not your favorite. In fact, they are one, two, three. They are tied for third in the odds. Clemson is a minus 120 favorite. Then it's Miami plus 500 then NC State and Pitt are plus 800. So they're not expected to win the thing. Expectation doesn't mean a whole lot once we kick it off, but just to give you an idea of where Vegas stacks these teams up, uh, what about the Big 12? Where is Baylor? We've talked about Baylor a considerable amount over the past week. Baylor is fourth 
odds-on favorite to win the Big 12 at plus 650. Uh, by comparison, Oklahoma, Texas, plus 220, co-favorites. Next up in the Big 10, Michigan is your champ from last year. They're well behind Ohio State in terms of odds. Ohio State, a minus 250 favorite, and Michigan's next, and they're plus 750. So a very sizable gap, perceptionally, in the odds market between Ohio State and Michigan. And then you got Bama. This is where you're going to run into a little bit of a problem. Because Bama is a pretty big favorite to win the SEC. They're minus 140. Georgia's next at plus 140. It is widely assumed in the odds-making community they will play again for the SEC championship. So you can sell me on Pitt and Baylor and Michigan not winning their conferences again, and Utah does win the Pac-12, but you still got the Bama factor to deal with, and Alabama, as of today, would be my pick to win the SEC. So because of that, I made this a six on the boldness scale uh, because Georgia's still going to have a really good team this year. And you also, you could have something really crazy happen and Bama don't play for the SEC or Bama doesn't play for the SEC title. Uh, it would be unlikely. So I made that a six on the boldness scale. Next up, we had to do some digging on this one. There will be zero undefeated teams at the end of the regular season. Now we're talking about regular season here. If we were talking about the full season, which counts conference titles and playoffs and bowl season, it's fairly uncommon, but it's not unheard of to have zero undefeateds at the end of the entire season. 2021, last year, we did not have an undefeated at the very end. Uh, 2014, 15, and 16 we did. In 2011 we did. And so it still happens, but it's, it's a little more rare. But just the regular season? This is, this is not, it's very bold to say we're going to have no undefeateds because I'm going to put this at an 8.75. We, we have undefeateds all the time at the end of the regular season. In fact, Jesse's showing you right now, we had two of them last year. We had three in 2019, four in 2018, two in 2017. So most years we have multiples and we excluded the 2020 year just because it was lopsided due to COVID. So, I mean, we had some that year too. Point being, if you look at the highest win totals in college football this year, we have three teams at 11. That's Bama, Georgia, Ohio State. We have Clemson at 10 and a half someone's going undefeated in the regular season. Now, the good news, I guess, for the prediction is there is no slam dunk G5 team. There's no G5 team this year where you look and you say, who's going to stop them? Houston, uh, Central Florida, Cincinnati, who's going to stop them? They're a virtual lock to go undefeated. We'll just see how wide the scoring margins are. There's not that team this year. But even having said that, Ohio State, and if not them, Bama, if not them, Georgia, if Clemson, someone's going undefeated in the regular season. So I made that one an 8.75. Uh, last one here. This hits close to home. Morgan said, the Every Given Saturday Tour will make a stop in Columbia, Missouri for 4-0 Missouri versus Georgia in week five. For those unfamiliar, this is what we do. We, and it's me really, uh, in, every Saturday in the fall, I just go to whichever game I want to. And we call it something. This year we call it the Every Given Saturday Tour. Last year, it was the Renaissance Tour. And we get to choose where we go. And we're looking to go to the biggest game. We're looking to see as many teams as possible. We're looking to be in the best environment on a Saturday. And so you may look at this suggestion like I do and say, what? Georgia-Missouri is going to be that game week five? Well, this is a 9.5 for a reason. I don't think I'm going to be in Columbia, Missouri in week five. We got Bama at Arkansas that day. And if Arkansas has already lost some games and it's not as attractive, you know what else we got that day? Michigan at Iowa. I have never been to a game at Iowa. Went to Iowa State last year. Never been to a game at Iowa. Michigan's going to be undefeated that afternoon. If Iowa gets past Iowa State, I believe Iowa's probably going to be undefeated that afternoon. Uh, that would, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we'd probably be there if that was the case. LSU's at Auburn. Both of those teams could be undefeated that afternoon. Oklahoma State at Baylor, as I said the other night, is the sneakiest game in the early portion of the season, period. That's that afternoon. OU, is it TCU that afternoon? So NC State's at Clemson that afternoon. I overlooked that in my notes. So the reason I'm so emphatic there is because I'm telling you, we're probably not going to be at Missouri. That's a 9.5 at least. And you know what? I'm going to go ahead and bump it up. That's a 9.75. Now, whether Missouri will be 4-0 what have they had to do? They got to go to Kansas State and win. Not easy at all. 
and they have to go to, you know what, I don't think Missouri's going to be undefeated by that point. Uh, if they are, we will, we will hard golf clap for the Tigers on this show, but I still don't believe that we'll be at that game. Even if they're undefeated, you know how big Georgia would be favored in that game? And it just, it's, this, it's the same reason we're probably not going to Georgia versus Oregon week one. The line on the game is 17 and a half. So what we don't want is we don't want to be at a game on the Every Given Saturday tour and be in the media suite at halftime and it's 31 to 3 and you're saying, why did we come to this one? That's what we want to avoid. We saw four field stormings last year. That's where we want to be. All right, so that's it. That's all for bold predictions. Uh, they're watching us in Washington, Missouri tonight. Not that we're against the Show Me State. We just probably won't be there in week five. Uh, Columbia, South Carolina's tuned, tuned in. Denver, Colorado tuned in. Round Rock, Texas, they are tuned in. Recruiting is on fire, and we need to talk about it because there are some programs that are surging right now. And uh, I don't know how else to say it. Welcome to the party, Florida. They asked me all week, you going to talk about us? You finally going to talk about us Saturday or Sunday? Yes, yes. And you know why? Because there is not smoke. There's just straight up fire from Gainesville, Florida in recruiting now. Billy Napier has tweeted out that smile wearing the shades, I don't know how many times, over the past few days, and with good reason. Jakeem Jackson, four-star corner, committed. Jordan Castell, four-star safety, committed. Aiden Mazel, four-star wide receiver, committed. Andy Jean, they took him from the clutches of Miami. Four-star wide receiver, committed. They are rolling. And the Florida Gators, once left for dead, not necessarily by me, contrary to allegations, but by some, you know, they've got the 12th-ranked class in the country right now. You know, their average player rating is 91, port 14 right now. And still climbing. They had the Friday night lights camp. Friday night. Uh, I had a text from someone in the know around the Florida program. I said, how did FNL go? And they texted back, A++++. I don't know that anyone's ever texted me that. I asked my parents how the show went tonight. They don't say A++++. So Friday Night Lights, home run. And you, you land some commitments from that. That's great. As the folks who follow the Florida program very well know, the key there is the relationship building. You're trying to build layer upon layer, class upon class worth of relationship building down there. And with a new staff, it's imperative they do that. As I've equated it several times, watching the ebbs and flows of the Florida recruiting effort under Billy Napier so far, it's like watching someone try and drink from a fire hose. But the thing about it is they've, they've gotten the worst of the water pressure out of the way. And they're starting to get some sips and the sips turn into gulps they may finish with a top 10 class. I did not think that was possible. I will tell you that. I did not think it was possible. I was over on Swamp 24-7 a couple of weeks ago, and I was fighting off some of the fringe lunatic haters of me. And then there were just some normal folks who also hate me. And then there were some others that were willing to have a rational conversation. And I said to them what I thought, which is my strategy would be You've already missed on some guys. The NIL structure is seemingly wobbly behind the scenes. So my strategy would be just finish as high as we can. I think I said top 20. Try and land a top 20 class, but really get your ducks in a row for the next cycle and fill in the gaps in the portal. I guess I underestimated what they were about to do over the next month because they're sitting there number 12 right now. And so today, here's the new over-under bet. Does Florida finish with a top 10 class? What are the odds? What can we get? I guess we got to get Will Fong, not Vegas, to set the odds on this. Maybe Ivan's Florida guy. Set the odds on that for me. I think they're going to possibly, maybe, fence riding, fence riding, they're maybe going to finish top 10 in recruiting. I, it takes a big man to admit when he was wrong, and I am that big man. Florida recruiting has found a groove, and it does not look to be stopping anytime soon. Texas A&M also making some moves. A&M was in the 60s last week. They're in the 40s now, ranked 42nd in the country. Those team rankings just creeping on up there. Uh, Tex-Ags, these people are maniacs. So Tex-Ags, I am a frequent visitor there. It's not in the 24-7 network, but I don't care. I go over there anyway. I, I did a radio hit with Billy Lucci last week. Did, um, oh man, it was a Ryan Fowler show. And we're both sitting there and are our mics working? Are they not working? Who cares? Getting to hang out with Billy Lucci and the guys. David, just I met everyone from Texags last week. But to tell you how crazy recruiting is around AM, there is a thread on the Texags board 
that can't be more than a day or two old because it's about a recruiting event this weekend. It is over 1 million views. It's 90 pages deep. And it's just people are insane. People are maniacs, but I love them. That is our audience. Those are the people that traffic in our show. I love that uh, because those are the kinds of things that you take to someone like my old, old, old sales department when they asked, how do we justify doing a college football show year round? Uh, look at this Texags thread. This is about recruiting. This is about a pool party in July, sir. It's got a million views. What are we showing on air in the place of what we could be talking about here? Anyway, that's, a, that's, a, that's an entire different tangent. Texas A&M recruiting, as I've said for about a month now, when people have asked about where they're going to finish, they are going to finish in the top 15. I would bet they're going to finish in the top 10. I have all the confidence in the world in that because I saw how they recruited last year, and more importantly, I saw how they closed last year, and I know what they can offer. And I also know what they can't offer. And that list is very, very short, very far exceeded by what they can offer. So I was talking to producer Jesse out in the bullpen earlier today, and I said, what's the downside? If you're trying to sell me A&M's not going to land an elite class or a high, highly rated class, what's the downside? There has to be a downside that's pushing a kid away from College Station, right? And we, we didn't even make it 45 seconds. That was a brief conversation. There is no downside. Some, some of you out there think, man, they're just dropping NIL bag after NIL bag and they're convincing kids to come to a place that otherwise is undesirable. What I try and counter with, and those of you who have never been out there, I don't really waste time on that. If you've been out there, you get the attraction. It's a place where you don't sacrifice anything. You're not giving up the ability to be developed to go there for NIL money. You get both. You get developed. They've got a very good track record of development. Especially if, if you're a defensive player and they've been loading up on them. That defensive front class was insane last cycle. Why not go there? So the other part of this is, and I had this rebuttal made to me earlier today, when I said A&M, I believe is still going to land a top, top 10 class. Let's just say top 10. Someone told me they can't land a top 10 class. I said, why is that? They said, well, look at the, look at the uncommitted list. There aren't enough kids. And I said, you and I are looking at different lists. Texas A&M looks at a, an icon, a little logo. You know, Texas A&M staff, let me put it that way. They look at that list and they see every kid uncommitted because they're confident that when they get them out there, they can flip anyone they want to. Now, that is a little bit too, too much hubris, but not, not as much as you may think. Because I am telling you, as sure as we sit here, there are flips coming from some high-profile players, I'm not talking necessarily Tony Mitchell or anything like that. I'm not speaking specifically about a kid. I'm saying it is inevitable that Texas A&M is going to flip multiple high-priority, high-profile candidates and targets out there. And all of a sudden, they're going to rocket up the recruiting rankings. And you're going to find yourself, if you're doubting them now, saying, okay, I doubted them, but I didn't know this kid was in play. I didn't know that kid was in play. They're all in play. Just assume everyone's in play and you'll be much better off when they do what they're gonna end up doing. I've said my piece, let's move on. Uh, Ohio State, is the sky falling? Can you be ranked second in recruiting and have the sky falling around you? Well, no, is the short answer. But there are some issues here, but they're very specific. So first off, here's the good news. Uh, Stats and Info tells me that Ohio State is one of just two classes with more than 15 four-star rated players. Their average player rating is good for third best in the country. So there are a lot of good things happening, but it's not perfect. And uh, I don't need to tell anyone close to Ohio State. You guys know what the date June 24th means. And you know how disastrous that Saturday was, that weekend recruiting event was. Those of you who don't follow recruiting hardcore, you may not know. So I want to direct your attention to the screen right now. For those of you listening on podcasts, we're looking at Ohio State's notable commitments right now. Now, again, they've got the number two class in the country. This is where you have to get nuanced in recruiting. As I've told you before, I could land 25 four- and five-star receivers and finish with the number one class in the country and get blown out every year because I don't have balance to my recruiting. What is missing on this graphic right now? Look up and down. Three wide receivers, a tight end, an offensive tackle, one defensive lineman, safety, tight end, couple of corners, an offensive lineman, a quarterback. There is no beef. 
There is no front seven help here. And if they don't rectify that portion of this recruiting class pretty quickly, there's just going to be a void. Now, the good news is they have very more than adequately loaded up at those positions the past couple of cycles. May have missed on some kids they wanted, but they did good enough. But you don't maintain the level of play they want to. And you don't overturn a defensive style of play like they want to without loading up every single year on those guys. You got to have too many of them coming in. You got to do what you've done at receiver, you know, to, to put a finer point on it. Ohio State has to recruit defensive linemen like they've recruited receivers. You got to recruit them so much so that you look and you kind of have fun saying, I wonder which five star is going to transfer out of here in a year and a half because he can't get on the field, not because he sucks, but because we're too deep. That's how you got to recruit them. They don't recruit like that right now. And it's not going to matter against Rutgers. It's all due respect. It's probably not going to matter against Maryland. It matters against Michigan, as you saw last year. It very much matters if you get into the playoff and you face, you face lines of scrimmage like Alabama has or like Georgia has, or like Clemson has, or like Oklahoma could have. It matters. And you got to match it. Or else all these racehorse receivers and these five-star quarterbacks, it gets wasted. And you just have a nice season in the Big Ten. They don't look for nice seasons in the Big Ten up there. They look for trophies in the trophy case. And so, I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to end. It's very, it's very early still to be freaking out. I, I think it would be dumb to freak out over this. And it could just be that this is one class where this happens, and then they rectify that, and, and they're good going forward. But it is an issue, and I think most Buckeye fans get that. I mean, that's all they're talking about right now. They get it. It's an issue. It's just crazy to me that 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 weekend, that big recruiting weekend, was that big a disaster. I don't have time to go into it, and it would bore most of you, but a ton of big names were in town, and they whiffed on all of them. And there were some comments afterwards about how this weekend kind of wasn't good at all. I didn't get a lot of attention paid to me. I, one kid didn't leave his room the whole weekend. They just had too many kids there. And in, it used to be in the summertime. That's not a big deal. We're going to have them back on campus after Christmas for the January official visit flurry. This is the flurry now. What I've been trying to tell you guys who maybe passively follow recruiting, this summer stuff, this is the final shot you get with most kids now before they're going to make their commitments and then shut their recruitments down. And Ohio State blew it a couple of weekends ago. Now, that's not normal for them. That's why it is so weird. To me especially, it's weird. So keep an eye on defensive recruiting for Ohio State. Alabama's Alabama. They, uh, since we last spoke about them in recruiting, all they did was land Caleb Downs, who is one of my favorite players in the country this year, and Richard Young, five-star running back, on, on the heels of a high four-star rated running back from Georgia last week. The average player rating in this class for Alabama right now is 94.89. I think people forget Bama had one of the best classes in the history of recruiting last year, and it got overshadowed because A&M had the best in the history. Bama finished with, I think, a class rating of 322 last year, and their player rating, their average player rating was higher than A&M. They had a, an average player rating above 95, which is ridiculous, it's supposed to be illegal, and they're bordering on that again this cycle. They may finish with the number one class again. I know that when we had Nick Saban on the show at SEC Media Day, it was the furthest that he's gone, at least that I've heard, of looking you in the eye and saying, hey, this new world, this new NIL world and the new world, therefore, that we have in recruiting, it's not going to hurt us at Alabama. You know, he, he previously had just said it's not a good thing overall, but he hadn't specifically told you the truth. And he finally just looked at you and said, Essentially, he said, we're, we're going to dominate. We're going to be fine. Nothing bad is going to happen to us. It's going to happen to the rest of you. You know what that sounds a lot more like? It sounds a lot more like one of his patented warnings that he's issued several times over the past decade to decade and a half to college football. And yet some people out there, I mocked you two weeks ago. I'm going to roundly mock you again. You called BS on it and you said he's scared. He's, he's yeah, he's, you, tell, you know what he's scared of? He's scared he's not going to have enough room for all your five stars in his class this cycle. That's what he's scared of. Alabama's doing exactly what they've always done. They will continue to do what they've always done. It's laughable to me that we still address this, but yet here we are. So there's nothing much to talk about. Uh, headline, Bama's dominating in recruiting. Next.
I did want to touch on Notre Dame before we wrap up the segment here. They've got 20 commits in their class. They are the number one rated class in the country right now. And they've got most of the hay in the barn. They, they will not finish with the number one class in the country. They will finish with one of the highest rated classes they've ever had, at least in the modern era. And there's such a different energy around the program. And I know that some of, some of you who either played the game or who have been around the block several times, you get really tired of hearing that. Because energy does not matter. When it's third and two in week three and you need a stop in order to get off the field and preserve a 23-17 lead, no one cares about your energy in July. No one cares about the hype videos you, you filmed. That's true. That's all true. Here's where it matters. Where it tangibly matters is the new energy around the program is attracting a different kind of kid than the previous staff did and the previous kind of energy did. And those kids will ultimately be the ones on the field when it is third and two and 23-17 and you need a stop late in the fourth quarter. And that's what's starting to happen for Marcus Freeman and Notre Dame. Now, here's the follow-up. We don't have a sample size from Marcus Freeman yet. He's been a head coach for one game, and that was the bowl game. And so we're still going to find out. So if you want to wait and see, and they have very mixed results this year, and you want to start that talking point that, oh, he's all hype, but once they get on the field, they'll blow it. Okay, maybe in time that's going to happen. Or hey, maybe they'll take Ohio State to the wire in week one, and they'll be a fringe playoff contender all year in year one under Marcus Freeman and they'll finish with a bang in recruiting and have a top five class. Wouldn't that be crazy for Notre Dame? But keep an eye on the Irish. It's not like there's, there's been a, a huge change. They've been up here for a while. I just think that we need to keep acknowledging it. Also, producer Jesse tells me six of the top 13 classes currently are SEC classes. If we do what is becoming all too popular, and we just go ahead and add Oklahoma and Texas, that would be eight of the top 13 classes in the country made up of either current or future SEC programs. I have it on good authority, and the, the authority is this, this bright orange post-it. I have it on good authority that there is a really interesting feature coming tomorrow on 247sports.com, and it is 30 under 30. And there has been a fairly noticeable and violent shift towards younger coaches, which is good if you're young. I mean, it's, it's ageism if you're old. Get this out of here. But we're going to run the feature tomorrow. I don't have anything to do with it. I'm just telling you, I got a little sneak peek of it. It's really interesting. It's, it's a bunch of names you need to know. It's obviously guys under 30 years old. These are going to be, several of these dudes are about to be head coaches. And if you want to be the smartest version of a fan you can, or if you want to get ahead of the curve, you think your coach is on the hot seat, and you want to know which pool could we be choosing from, it may not be the, the rugged, rock ribbed 53-year-old lifetime coordinator. It may be one of these dudes who's 28, 29 years old right now. And he's going to be in this feature tomorrow, if it is him. So 30 under 30. Keep an eye on 247sports.com tomorrow for that. Okay, we got one more question here. I think it's a good time to remind the chat. PateStateMaterial.com is open. Oh, we're up to 862 likes. I appreciate that. You know what? A little call to action as we get into this final segment. Why don't we just go ahead and get 1,000 likes on the video? I mean, we got like 2,400 of you in here. Just like the video if you haven't already. Just get it to 1,000. It's for director Colin and producer Jesse, one of whom you know exists, and the other one may show his face when we get to a million subs on the channel. So, um, yeah, just find it in your heart. All right, here's a question. Tank asked, as a fan of a Pac-12 team not named USC or UCLA, should I buy what our commissioner is selling? The commissioner out there, for those unfamiliar, is George Klaivkoff. And he was most recently on vacation when the news broke that USC and UCLA were going to the Big Ten. So George Klaivkoff, he repeated about 38 different late kick talking points. Naturally, I approved of a lot of what he had to say the other day because I'm pretty sure he just watched the show on the plane and jotted a bunch of notes down on his hand. So he said some things that on surface I agree with. Uh, he also took some shots at the Big 12, and there's a reason behind that. It's not just petty sniping back and forth. And this is kind of the crux of my takeaway. George Klaivkoff talked about the, the Pac-12 and how we're still a very, very solid entity. You know, we're going to be a sustainable product moving forward. None of our teams, none of our programs are going to leave for the Big 12. You need to repeat that from the mountaintops. Now, the follow-up is you need it to be true. You need that to actually be prophetic and pan out. 
But here's what he knows that he kind of hinted at that I need you to understand. He talked about everything being in a holding pattern right now, waiting for the announcement of the Big Ten media rights deal. A lot of you get, get so turned off by this that you don't even pay attention to it. And I don't blame you. A lot of this stuff is for industry nerds. But I happen to be fascinated by this part of it. So I'm going to give you a little peek behind the curtain and do with it what you will. But I'm telling you, the situation for at least one of these conferences, either the Big 12 or the Pac-12, is not quite as financially dire as it seems. George Kleifkoff knows this, and here's why he knows it. Right now, the Big Ten, uh, presumably before the season starts, is going to announce their new media rights deal. It was about to be announced weeks ago, and then the news broke about the two California schools. So uh, they had to take some more bids, and ultimately, there are going to be one or maybe a couple of entities. Maybe it's CBS, maybe it's one of the major streaming services that are going to end up winning their Big Ten media rights bid. So they will, they will get packages of games and whatnot. But here's the follow-up. Here's where it concerns the Big 12 and the Pac-12. There are going to be some other big players at the table who are told, you lose. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to look in front of them. They've just got this, this huge mountain of cash that they've allocated to spend on Big Ten football and basketball, mainly football. And they were told, your money is no good here. But your money's still here. And so what are they going to do with it? Well, they can do one of two things. Either they can just say, well, there goes the SEC. There goes the Big Ten. They're locked up forever. The ACC is not coming online anytime soon. I guess we're just not going to have college football on our airwaves. Uh, spoiler alert, that's not the route they're going to go. Or they could go Route B, and they could say, all right, what else we got? There's the Pac-12. Now, the Pac-12 is not going to be nearly as attractive a product as the SEC. The Pac-12 will not be nearly as attractive a product as the Big Ten. But they will be a product. And someone, in fact, multiple someones out there, are going to have a ton of money and a ton of shelf space that they need to fill. You're not in as bad a position if you're the Pac-12 or the Big 12. I think it's kind of a one or the other scenario right now. They're not in nearly as dire a position as it seems. You just look at them right now and you see, dude, those aren't any teams I feel like watching. But that's not the way that either a broadcast network or a streaming service looks at them. They look at them being the Pac-12. They look at their shelves, which are empty. They're totally barren of college football programming right now. And then they look at their competitors and they understand we're charging people $9.99, $12.99. We're charging people a, a total, um, well, for cable bundles, uh, $100, $200, whatever you pay. We've got to justify it. These people need live sports programming. Someone's going to overpay for the Pac-12. George Klykos knows this. I have a trouble saying his last name. But here's the key. You've got to keep your conference together. Big 12's thinking the same thing. We've got to keep our conference together. And that's why you keep seeing these headlines back and forth like the Big 12's talking to Utah and the Arizona schools. Now, if you're a Georgia Bulldog fan, you look at that and it doesn't even move your needle. You don't care. Nor should you, really. Because you look at that and you don't think it's valuable. You think whether Arizona is in the Pac-12 or the Big 12 is irrelevant to me. That's true. But if you are the Big 12 or the Pac-12, whichever one of you is able to just keep it between the lines, keep it on the road, long enough to get your product to market, you could end up having someone overpay for you. And especially, and this is the great unknown to me, and it's the great unknown for a lot of folks in the industry. The great unknown is, is there going to be a conference out there that's willing to go total streaming? Is there a conference out there that if Apple TV stepped up and, and any of the streaming giants know they have to massively overpay because they have to overcome the stigma that you need to be on traditional broadcast television. You, got it. you can't leave broadcast TV. The streaming giants want your content. They know that's the baked-in philosophy for good reason, and therefore they know they got to massively overspend. Will anyone ever take them up on it? Because if you're in desperation mode and you need to fill your financial coffers like the Pac-12 does, and especially being on the West Coast where they're already positioned, wouldn't the Pac-12 potentially be a prime candidate to be the first one that jumps into that pool? that tests those waters, that goes full streaming, it's not like you're giving up tons of viewership anyway. No one's watching Pac-12 football in relation to the competitors out there, in relation to the SEC and the Big Ten. If you're going to get a ton of money, 
well, I'm, I'm actually thinking of a metaphor in my mind, but I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to use the live golf metaphor. Why not take that cash and go streaming and just see how it works out? At the very least, you don't have folks hurting for money anymore. Anyway, that's the great unknown. I'm not an expert in that field. I'm just saying that's what a lot of people who are experts in our field are talking about behind the scenes right now. So let's just see how that plays out. George Klyvkov was not an idiot when he was talking the other day. When he was being very braggadocious about how we're not going to lose anyone to the Big 12, he's not talking to you. He's talking to folks who have a pen in their hand and a checkbook in the other, and they're getting ready to probably pay someone way more than they should be paying for college football. He wants it to be him. He wants it to be them. And the cat over there in the Big 12, is, he feels the exact same way. And so if, if Big 12 media days were happening the same day and they were both live talking to each other, they just would have gone back and forth saying the same things. So we'll see how that works out. I appreciate you guys being tuned in. Hey, make sure, make sure, because we're about to make some changes. So there are going to be some products that aren't there anymore. Make sure you check out PateStateMaterial.com. That's where the Late Kick store is. And um, it's been about 10 times more successful than even we planned on it being. So just advance thank you for that. We have got some new products coming very soon. I can't help but smile. I think they're going to be our best sellers. Like that Don't Be a Casual Skull t-shirt right now is our best seller. It will be topped. We got a couple of ideas coming. So don't, you, just tell, you just tell those that have already perused the site, don't go anywhere. Stay close because there are new things coming. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Pate. Thanks so much. Have a great start to your week. Take care. And as always, God bless. series on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire now streaming on Paramount Plus.